For all we love the league, in many ways, the NHL as a body can't mask its unique ability to stuff things up off the ice. The saga of Marc-Andre Fleury's mask proved the point yet again this past week. A real shame, because the action on the ice gave us so much to enjoy, as per usual. In this episode of the podcast, we'll look at the key talking points from the NHL over the past week and review the round of 16 matchups from the European Champions Hockey League. Welcome to the Hockey with Ice podcast. Hello and welcome to the Hockey with Ice podcast being recorded on the evening of Monday, November 27th UK time. I'm your host, Matt Smith. Oh, it has been an absolute miserable day in the UK. Fairly cold over the weekend, but yeah, really miserable, very wet today here in England. And I guess it's to be expected. I was looking at the calendar and Friday is December 1st. Can you believe it? I think I may even go early with the Christmas tree this year, get the Christmas decorations down this coming weekend. But yeah, it seems to have crept up on me really quickly this time this year. But, you know, this time of year, although it's cold and it's wet outside, there's lots of good hockey to enjoy. And that always warms the heart, doesn't it? Lots of good NHL action because that's really got into a groove now. We've got some great action in the Swedish Hockey League this past week and week coming up as well, which we'll be talking about a little later on. Also Champions Hockey League that we'll be talking about in the second half of this podcast. So lots of action on both sides of the Atlantic to enjoy. And this weekend was a classic example. This weekend just gone. Friday evening, it was Black Friday, day after Thanksgiving in the US. So there were lots of games being played in the NHL at a nice, convenient time for us to watch live here in the UK and across Europe. And one of those games was my Edmonton Oilers. Been on a terrible run of things to the start of this season, but a great win On Friday against the Washington Capitals, I did a nice live stream of that. So thank you for anyone joining here on the podcast, having watched the live stream on Friday on the YouTube channel. And then last night, Monday night, woohoo, pumped up those Anaheim Ducks. They are somewhat anemic Anaheim Ducks right now. So I guess you should be pumping them up. But it was nice to do it 8-2 last night. We're starting to see the Oilers just getting into gear. Don't count us out just yet. Still a long way to go in this season. And Conor McDavid is firing. Evander Kane has been really good. Zach Hyman is on an absolute tear at the moment, as is Evan Bouchard. Getting assists everywhere you go out of defence. So, hey, don't count out the Oilers. Don't count us out just yet. We'll be talking about the Oilers a bit more in a moment and plenty of other NHL games. You may have seen on Saturday, the Bruins against the Rangers. What a crack and that was. We had some games on Sunday too. So plenty that we've been able to enjoy. And even just this past weekend, the NHL International Shop had a few good offers on. So I was able to pick up or order at least a couple of new bits of Oilers clobber for the wardrobe. Um, may take a little while to get here from the States or wherever they're sending them out from. But looking forward to getting them. However, let's take a look and start off with some of the key news from the NHL over the past week. We'll 
I'll start with a bit of bias on my behalf and look at the just announced NHL Free Stars of the Week for the week ending November 26th. And it's biased on my account because the number one star, first star of the week, Connor McDavid. Connor McCheat Code clearly was hobbled still by whatever was aiding him, the injury that kept him out for a few games. He'd been a bit just not his usual self, not that usual incredible spark, incredible energy that he brings. But he has been absolutely phenomenal in this past week. According to NHL.com, McDavid factored on 12 of Edmonton's 19 goals during the week. Led the NHL with nine assists and 12 points from four contests. So three goals, nine assists. Propelling the Oilers to a pair of victories. Oh, yes. Brilliant stuff from him. So McDavid, the number one star. The second star, Nikita Kucherov. The evergreen Nikita Kucherov for the Tampa Bay Lightning. Topped the NHL with um, five points on the power play. Played second in the league with eight points overall. Lifting the Lightning to a two in one week. They extended their point streak to five contests dating to November 16th, according to NHL.com. And then the third star on the week, UC Saros, the goaltender, is getting a bit of love there. The Nashville Predators goalie led the NHL with three victories in as many starts, compiling a 2.35 goals against average and a 9-2-1 save percentage. Helping the Predators, who are 10-10, and extending their winning streak to five games dating back to November 18th. Saros in rude health and excellent form. There was indeed some wide-eyed rumours a couple of weeks ago that the Oilers might try and sign UC Saros as the answer to our goaltending ways. There was no way on earth the Preds were going to be trading UC Saros. They have spoken about trying to tie him up long term. And I'm sure I wouldn't be at all surprised. I won't say I'm sure, but I wouldn't be at all surprised if the Preds are able to do that. But great week for Saros and a great week for many players. So well done to McDavid, Kucherov and Saros for their free star Award for the week. Another player who deserves the staff of the week but was never going to get one from the NHL is Mark andre Fleury. And what is it about the NHL? I know it is something that all of the big major leagues tend to do at times, but the NHL really does seem to have an excellent way of shooting themselves in the foot or whacking themselves in the face with a rake, whichever one you want to go for. But they are hopeless at this sort of thing. If you didn't hear the story... Marc-Andre Fleury wore a custom mask for the Minnesota Wilds game on Friday night. The Minnesota Wild were holding a Native American Heritage Night. And Fleury, whose wife is an Indigenous woman, decided to get a mask design done specifically for the night. He wasn't actually going to be playing in the game or didn't in the end. But he got it all done and was told by the NHL, no, 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 you can't be doing stuff like that. You are not allowed to use anything like that, whether it's jerseys or anything like, you know, tape on the stick or anything, you are not allowed to do it. Now, this, of course, all comes back to the furore over the Pride Nights and the ridiculous about turn that the NHL did when they banned it and then they kind of didn't ban it and then they did ban it and then they said you could do it and kind of do something but not everything. Just pathetic stuff from the NHL. 
Marc-Andre Fleury was told by the NHL he was not allowed to wear his specially designed mask. Um, and he even for warm-ups, apparently just nothing, because the NHL now prohibits wearing specialty jerseys, masks, stickers, decals or tape for any theme night. But Fleury decided, I don't care, I'm going to wear it anyway. We haven't heard yet whether there would be a fine, but... In any way, it is absolutely ridiculous. Now, people will have their own views on what players do to highlight causes that are dear to their hearts. And I have a bit of sympathy for that. I, I personally don't really mind players doing it, but I understand the logic of the point that when you're actually out there on the ice, you're representing your team, you're representing the NHL and all the sponsors and all of that, and... As an individual, if you want to do something as an individual, you have lots of other opportunities to do that in your own time, on social media, wherever you want to do it. So I'm I'm relatively fine with the idea of doing that in your personal time if it's a personal message you want to put across. But how can the NHL defend this nonsense right here? This is an NHL team deciding to do a specifically themed night to celebrate a certain culture or a certain topic, whatever it may be. And then the NHL are turning around and saying, oh, well, the players can't have anything to do with it. Though. They can't wear the top. They can't wear the jersey. They can't do anything to show they support this. I mean, that's absolutely ridiculous. Absolutely crazy. Marc-Andre Fleury had a very good reason to want to be part of these celebrations in celebrating Native American heritage. It was entirely the right thing for him to do. It was nothing, there was just nothing, nothing wrong with it at all. What are they worried about? The problem with a lot of these leagues is that they are scared of their own shadow. If you don't want to let people celebrate this sort of thing, then don't do it at all. In fact, the whole point about all of this, just the same as all the, the fuss over the Pride Nights and not allowing players to have rainbow tape and all of this stuff. Essentially, all they're doing is highlighting their own hypocrisy. Right. They, they don't actually care about any of these causes. They just think it's good PR to make a token gesture that we actually care when we don't. If you actually care about it, how on earth could you take your players, your stars, the very people that the fans of all ages look to and say, well, you can't join in with it. You can't show your support with this. It's an absolute nonsense. It's ridiculous stuff. So good on you, Marc-Andre Fleury, for ignoring these clowns at the NHL office and wearing your mask. And you know what? Here's an idea for you. If the NHL insists on players and other players and other people not celebrating these themed nights, then here's what you want to do. Let's do a themed night celebrating Gary Bettman, NHL commissioner. That'll solve it because I can guarantee you no player will wear anything supporting that clown on their jersey, on their stick. Well, they may put something on the end of their stick, perhaps, just so that they can whack it. But that's an idea. If you don't want players to support theme nights, do a theme night of Gary Bettman or one of those clowns, one of those owner clowns, and you'll, you'll get exactly what you wish for. But other than that, well done, Marc-Andre Fleury, for showing up the hypocrisy of the NHL and for doing the right thing. And the mask looked fantastic. If you haven't seen it, uh, have a look. He's auctioning it off for charity. I think they said on one of the broadcasts last night it's gone past something like $15,000 or something crazy. So fantastic by Fleury. Poor show again by the NHL. And unfortunately, precisely the sort of poor show we've all come to expect from the Muppets 
at the NHL Commissioner's Office. Moving on from that nonsense of the NHL, unfortunately we have our weekly look at the injuries, and injuries and absences I guess we should call them this week, because top two we are going to have to look at the Chicago Blackhawks. Now coming into the season with Connor Bedard, all the focus on their incredible young phenom, who has started the season potentially even better than advertised. I know the expectations were so high for him that in some ways it felt like you could, he could never live up to him. Well, he is at the minute. He has started incredibly well. But part of the idea was the Blackhawks went out and got some veteran players to help him along. And two of the main ones were Taylor Hall and Corey Perry. Well, that has not gone to plan at all. Taylor Hall had a few injuries to start the season and then it was announced last week he is going to undergo knee surgery on his right knee. I believe he's due to undergo that surgery today on Monday. And that is surgery that is going to cost him pretty much the rest of this season. Now, he is under contract for next season too, I believe $6 million. But it was really unfortunate. It was a collision on the boards. It was just one of those things. But it's kind of been the way of things for Hall recently. He's never really started to get going in recent seasons. And... This was an important year for him, coming across from Boston, getting out with a Chicago, being a good line mate for Conor Bedard. Wanted a good year to set up his next year and then potentially to earn a new contract. And he's going to be coming back next season from a knee injury. He's not an old player, but he's not a young player either. So there'll be lots of focus on seeing how well he recovers from that. But that's a real disappointment for him. And the other player who is out is Corey Perry. Now, this is a really, it's an intriguing one, this. It's been very sketchy as to quite why he is not in and around it. He was seemingly a healthy scratch for a couple of games. And then there was some talk, well, maybe he's been traded. Maybe he, maybe there's something going on. And we really didn't know what was happening. Then his agent, Pat Morris, issued a statement saying Corey Perry has stepped away from the Chicago Blackhawks to attend to personal matters. Corey and his family appreciate privacy at this time. We really don't know what's going on with it. Um, hopefully it's nothing bad or nothing serious in that sense. But he had nine points at that point perspective at that point in terms of nine points on the ice and he was by all accounts doing well in the role he was intended to be which was as a a, a leader in a clubhouse a leader really sh doing things by example but looks like he's going to be well we don't know we don't know how long he's going to be out for if he's going to come back at all but he is out Taylor Hall is out thankfully Connor Bedard is showing a level of maturity beyond these years it's quite incredible how well he's doing so maybe he just doesn't need it but of course Chicago Blackhawks it's going to be a rebuilding season for them and having that experience is important just to try to steady the ship here and there where you're in losing runs and you've got good experienced heads there who can help bring you through it and they're going to be out with two out with two of the very important ones that they brought in over the offseason to play that role and now not going to be there for them. Another man who is not going to be about, unfortunately, is TJ Oshie. And I watched this one, the Capitals player 
was injured in the game against Edmonton on Friday. And it was a really unfortunate one. It was a collision with Matthias Eckheim. Nothing untoward about it, nothing dirty about it. Two players were crossing for the Caps and it was just a case of Eckheim and Oshie collided and it was one of those situations where because it wasn't a hit, it wasn't two people going in for contact. Oshie wasn't bracing himself for it and unfortunately just hit Eckheim at an awkward angle. Now we don't know precisely at this point in time what his issue is, It was whether it was a a head injury, a shoulder injury. We do know that Oshi has suffered from some concussion issues, um, well, really throughout his career. And it did look more like that. He was laid on the ice for quite a while. He was, that they were very careful with him, exactly as they should be with a head injury or a neck injury. Um, they have announced, Washington have announced that he will not be travelling with the team on their five-game West Coast road trip. But hopefully it's just precautionary. He's resting and will be back on the ice very soon because that was a, they, it's always a scary one when it's something involving someone's head or neck. And as I say, it was a, a freak accident, nothing really to it, but sometimes they can produce the worst results. We do have a bit of positive news, though, a couple of players coming back from injuries. Firstly, Andre Vasilevsky. Hadn't played all season, had back surgery over the off-season, but he has come back for the Tampa Bay Lightning, made 22 saves in his season debut. That was against the Carolina Hurricanes on Friday, a big 8-2 win for the Bolts in that one. But Andre Vasilevsky is back. And another man who is back is Nico Heischer, who was a bit of a surprise, really, just suddenly out of nowhere. He was practicing on the ice on Saturday General response straight away was, okay. it's good to see him back out on the ice, but we don't think he's going to be playing. But he did play. So he's back. And of course, we've had Jack Hughes coming back recently, too. So things looking up for the New Jersey Devils in terms of injuries. And the same can be said for Jack Quinn of the Buffalo Sabres. Real shame for him coming into this season because he tore his Achilles tendon didn't he and uh, you're talking a good five or six months for to recover from that the initial prognosis was that he'd probably be looking like getting back at the end of 2023 so he seems to be on course he's back practicing with the team apparently so hopefully not too long before he is back on the ice that is how things stand in the nhl let's move across to european hockey and in particular catching up on last week's round of 16 games in the Champions Hockey League. So we were all very excited for the round of 16 matchups in the Champions Hockey League. Last week we had the return legs of the eight matchups and they produced some real drama just as we hoped. We'll go through all eight matchups, starting with Luko's late show. Yes, a nice dramatic victory came on Wednesday last week when Luko Rama beat Innsbruck with a Tamo railing in overtime golden goal is what I'm calling it. They call it sudden death. I'm calling it a golden goal. It was real golden for Luko Rama. The two teams couldn't be separated in the first leg. That one ended two apiece. So it was all on the line 
as they headed to Finland. Luko got off to the perfect start in front of the home crowd. Pontius Vesteland got them in the lead just 69 seconds into the contest. It was an odd old goal, actually. If you see the highlights, you can see those on YouTube. It was a shot from deep. Looked harmless and suddenly, oh, it's gone in. It's gone in. It looked like it was tipped in front of the goalie, Evan Boytenhaus. So that went in, gave Luko the league. 55 minutes then went by without a goal being scored. And then Luko's Yunus Yavanin got sent to the penalty box for hooking. Nicholas Albano took advantage on the power play to level the tie. Level it on the night and, of course, level it on aggregate. And then, less than 40 seconds later, Luko committed the absolute cardinal sin. At such a desperate time to do it, too many men on the ice penalty. So suddenly, they were looking at potential disaster, right? They conceded that equaliser and potentially going to concede a goal on the power play right at the death. Well, fortunately for Luko Ram, all well done. Let's give credit to the penalty kill because they were able to save the day. The game went to overtime and Tamo railing in. Ably assisted by Julius Matia and Sebastian Repo, that top-line duo, got the job done with 20 seconds in to overtime, the golden goal to send Luca Rama through to the quarterfinals. And there they will face Dinamo Pardubica after they knocked out Finland's Ilves Tompra. Pardubica led the tie 3-1 after an impressive first leg win at the Nokia Arena and that left Ilves with a sizeable, if not insurmountable, deficit to claw back. They needed to get the first goal of the night, and they did exactly that through Yuna Ikonen, but part of it took advantage of Otto Lappfeller's high-sticking penalty early in the second period to regain their two-goal lead through Martin Count. Now, Ilves got that goal back three minutes later. Les Lancaster, who's been in such good form in the Champions Hockey League for Ilves, he set up Emily Suomi to get back within a goal, but they were not able to take that next step, really put the pressure on Pardubica by levelling the aggregate score. That proved costly, with Adam Uzil tipped in a shot by Andre Fahler early in the third period to make it 2-2 on the night and 5-3 on aggregates. A really competitive game at the interior arena. The two sides couldn't be separated on the night, so the night score was 2-2. But because of the 3-1 win by Pardubica in the first leg, they go through a 5-3 on aggregate. Now, the next matchup was Genev Savet and Red Bull Munich. Champions of their respective domestic leagues. And in the first leg, it was Munich who raced into a 2-0 lead after just five and a half minutes. It looked like they would go into the second leg with a 3-1 lead. But Daniel Vinnick's breakaway goal right at the end of that game, inside the final two minutes, made it 3-2 to head back to Switzerland. And we all wondered after that goal, how big will that goal be? Well... For the second leg, it looked like the first period would end scoreless, but then Andrew McWilliams scored with 11 seconds remaining to give Munich a 4-2 aggregate lead. Went on their way to the quarterfinals, you might say. That's how it looks, but the score remained the same until the final four minutes of the second period when Jadef went on a power play and Tamu Hartikainen equalised on the night. And that gave Jadef the real opportunity to come through. And boy, did they take it. They scored twice in just over three minutes, midway through the third period, to turn the tie completely on its head. Despite plenty of pushing, in more ways than one, it got a bit testy at times in this one. Munich were unable to get past Robert Meyer in net for Genève, and the home team held on to knock out the German champs by a final aggregate score of 5-4. to four. 
Having beaten the German champs, they will now take on the Swedish champs in the quarterfinal. Fekwa are their opponents after they beat Ingolstadt in their round of 16 game. Ingolstadt were able to earn a credible draw in Fekwa against the Lakers, but they bow out of the competition because the rainy Swedish champs got through on an aggregate score of 7-4. to Fekwa won the first leg 4-1, to one, and that was always going to be a really tough deficit for Ingolstadt to overturn. The task got even harder eight minutes into the second leg when Carly Cossia put Fekwa ahead on the night and made it 5-1 on aggregates. Amari Edwards' goal got them back into the tie, but Dylan McLaughlin landed a really hefty blow right at the end of the first period. 18 seconds to go at the end of the first period. Dylan McLaughlin got the goal, and... That basically killed it for Ingolstadt. It did look like they might get a moral victory by winning that second leg 3-2 after goals from Matthew Bodie and Philipp Kraus. But Ludwig Nelson put back to that with an equaliser with just over two minutes remaining. That meant that it was 3-3 on the night and Fekwa go through 7-4. And they are one of three Swedish teams who have made the quarterfinal because the Swedish Hockey League leaders, Forjestad and Bjelbjörn, they combined for eight goals in the first leg of their round of 60 matchup and then added another 10 in the second leg. Unfortunately for Bjelbjörn, Forjestad won both of those games and have gone through handily. They won 5-3 in Switzerland and then doubled up on Bjelbjörn with a 6-4 victory at Luftberg's Arena. Uh, Forrestad took an early 2-0 lead on goals by Lucas Forsell and Mikael Linkvist, which gave them a four-goal aggregate advantage. But give some credit to BLBN. They would not go down without a fight. The Swiss team's undoing really was in twice conceding a goal barely a minute after getting one themselves. Yara Salonin made it 2-1 on the night with a power play goal, but then Joel Kelman got back and scored a power play goal 80 seconds later. And it happened again. End of the second period, Tino Kessler scored on a power play to make it 3-2, but then Forrestad's captain, Linus Johansson, scored a shorthanded goal just over a minute later to make it 4-2. It was a really exciting contest, and again, got to give a lot of credit to BLBN. They were the underdogs in this matchup. They really took it to Forrestad, but unfortunately for BLBN, Forrestad were just that little bit too strong for them over the two legs. They now go into an all-Swedish quarter-final because Hlefja knocked out Ochlari Trinich 8-6 on aggregate to book their place in the quarters. Trinich had given themselves a real chance of progressing here, actually, by edging the first leg at home 4-3. But a Max Lindholm hat-trick powered Hlefja to a 5-2 win in the second left leg. Lindholm had scored only twice so far this season prior to the contest. Both of those goals had come in the SHL, in fact. So he'd gone 14 games without a goal in all competitions, breaking out of that at the best possible time for Hlefja, the worst possible time for Trinich. Trinich can be proud of the Champions Hockey League campaign. And you have to say, they'll probably rue their inability to capitalise on a first leg lead, but they just couldn't get it done in that second leg. As for Halefja, they got the added bonus of seeing you signing Andreas Jonsson making his debut after signing a multi-year contract following his release from the Pittsburgh Penguins. He got two assists in this one and was on the ice for just over 15 minutes. Now, this was his first Champions Hockey League action since getting 10 points in 13 games for Frau Lunder. That was back in 2015-16. 
That was a year in which he helped them complete the SHL and Champions League double whilst on loan from the Toronto Maple Leafs. So maybe Jonsson will be a lucky charm for Hwalefcha this time around. And we will come to that in a moment because Tuesday night in Sweden... In the Swedish Hockey League, it's Floriastad against Hlefja. Just a week ahead of their quarterfinal Champions Hockey League matchup, they will be playing against each other in the SHL. So that is going to be one to watch on Tuesday in the Swedish Hockey League. Final couple of matchups. Fikovic of Radira and Lati Pelicans played out a 1-1 draw in the Czech Republic, but that was enough to see the Czech team go through following that crazy first leg in Lati. You may remember from the podcast last week, the first leg was abandoned due to poor ice conditions, and that meant that the game was declared a forfeit, Fitkovic being awarded a three-to-nothing win. Now, Lati had to come out all guns blazing in their return leg to try and get back into it, and that's what they did. But a combination of some good goaltending by Matty Machowski and some near misses on Lati's shots meant they failed to make what was a desperately needed breakthrough. That was compounded when, with just 11 seconds to go in the first period, Dominic Lakachos scored a power play goal to extend Vitkovic's aggregate lead to four goals. Now, Nathan Schnarr did score for Lati four minutes into the third period. The comeback never really looked on, though, and the Finnish team now have to concentrate on the league, something they sorely need to do. They've been very poor in the Finnish league so far this season, so not what they want. They'd prefer to still be in the Champions Hockey League, but they now need to focus their attention on their domestic league form and to get themselves up the table. As for Fikovica, they will face Rappersville Yona Lakers in the quarterfinals after the Swiss team pulled off the shocker around. The 16th seed knocked out the number one seed in Adler Mannheim. They won it 7-2 on aggregate. So they really did the damage in the first leg, winning 4-1 at home. Rappersville went to Mannheim knowing that they couldn't afford to take their foot off the pedal though because they knew the boisterous crowd at the SAP Arena would really go to that event having a memorable comeback on their minds. The Fizzerton team, always in that situation, will dream of trying to get an early goal just to bring the crowd down a bit. That's exactly what Rappers will were able to do. Gianmarco Vetter slotted the puck home with one minute, 51 seconds into it. And Jordan Schroeder gave them a 2-0 lead on the night, midway through the second period. They did fight back Adler Mannheim, Matthias Plakter did give, some man, give, give them some sort of faint hope, really, in the third period, but... Nico Duna sealed a famous victory for Rappersville with an empty net goal just over a minute to go. And that completes a very interesting quarterfinal lineup. So, Rappersville Leona Lakers against Vitkovic Ridera. Real toy costs in that one for me. Hwalefce against Forestad, all Swedish tie, fantastic. We've then got Dinamo Pardabitsa against Luka Rama, another one that is very difficult to call. And then Genef Servet against Fekwa. Now, on paper, you would make Fekwa a favourite there and potentially you would say they're the favourite in that side of the bracket because the winner of that tie faces Pardubica or Luka Rama. But we all know what hockey is like. May not be quite like that. So, how it all shapes out. First leg in each of those quarterfinals takes place next week. So, three of them are on Tuesday, December 5th. And then Pardubica, Luka Rama is on the Wednesday instead. And then all of the return legs the following week on the Tuesday. And that's Tuesday 12. So should be some fantastic ties in the Champions Hockey League. I'm really looking forward to it. There were some excellent games in the round of 16. And we're just going to ramp that up even more with the quarterfinals. Mm -hmm. 
few other bits of news from the European scene. One of them, a very scary one, where we want to wish all our best wishes to Sunny Hakala. Apologies if I'm not quite pronouncing that right, but Sunny is the captain of the Horvier women's team, what is known as the SDHL. A really, really scary situation, this. It was Horvier against your Gordon. On Friday, the game was stopped because Hakala appeared to be seriously injured, had a collision with the post. The game was stopped. They decided to let the ambulance come along. They took her off to hospital. Both teams decided to do anything to do. There was just to abandon the game and they'll resume it later on. An update came over the weekend to say, this is from the official website, albeit the Google Translate version. So apologies if this is not quite as intended, but the team captain, Sani Hakla, was injured when the forward collided with the goal cage and injured her neck, was taken to hospital by ambulance and underwent surgery on Saturday. It's been transferred to a hospital in Linkshopen on Friday evening and underwent the surgery there on Saturday. Surgeons at the hospital announced the operation went well and that a long period of rehabilitation awaits. Um, she has great support from her relatives and representatives from the club and is grateful for all the warmth she has received from the entire hockey family. So best wishes to Sunny Huckler. It seems like a very serious incident, of course, coming only... A little while on from the horrible tragedy here in the UK with Adam Johnson. So that must have been a really scary one for everyone. Um, a nasty neck injury, but best wishes to Sunny Hakala on that. Looking a bit more at the Swedish Hockey League, as we always like to do. I mentioned the Champions Hockey League quarterfinal matchup coming up between Forestad and Hrolefja. Well, that is going to be a classic matchup in the Champions Hockey League and also a lovely taster of it on Tuesday, November 28th in the SHL. The two teams coming up against each other. Now, Forestad will go into it top of the Swedish Hockey League. They got two wins over the past week, a 4-3 overtime win over Malmö and 4-2 away to Lexans. Now, the game against Malmö, boy, oh boy, was that a stunning comeback Devastating loss for Malmo. Malmo went ahead 3-0 in this one. Larry Pajaniemi with two of the goals. But then Mikkel Linkvist got them back into it in the final two minutes of the first period. Victor Edsel scored in the second to make it 3-2. Joachim Nigor scored early in the third to make it 3-3. And then Victor Edsel again won it for Forestad. One minute 25 into overtime. He was on the score sheet again on Saturday was Edsel. As Forestad beat Lexons 4-2. Two, it was 2-2 two, two with just over five minutes to go when Liam Ogren got his first goal of the season to give Forestad the lead and empower Asglund with his second of the game into an empty net, sealed it for Forestad. So they remain top of the SHL. Fekwa, their fellow Champions Hockey League uh, rivals, are in second. They got a 3-2 overtime win over Frau Lunde and had a 6-1 home win over Horvier. Two goals in each game for Joachim Blickfeld. Luluwa are in third and they are tied with Halefja on 35 points. So Halefja going into that big matchup against Forestad. They beat Oskarshum 7-0 on Thursday and then beat Modo 4-1 on Saturday. As for Oskarshum, they are at the other end of the scale. Having been beaten 7-0 by Halefja, they lost 4-1 away to Luluwa. Now it was a tough week fixture-wise for them playing those two teams. But boy, oh boy, is it going badly for Oskarshum. They've lost seven in a row in the SHL. And over those games, they've scored nine goals in seven games, conceding 38 Eek. 
They are bottom, rooted to the bottom with only 13 points from their 20 games. So not looking good for Orskashum. And elsewhere in Europe, one story we do have to pick up on came from the, the Ice Hockey League. And it was something that a few newspapers here have picked up on. The news that Petr Cech, the ex-Chelsea and Arsenal goalie, did get into elite ice hockey league action on Saturday. Now, this is a slightly controversial one. I know there are fans of ice hockey in the UK who aren't very impressed with this whole um, whole story, basically. But if you don't know Czech, plays amateur for Oxford. Growing up in the Czech Republic, he played ice hockey. So it's not like he, you know, he's well known to the league, well known to hockey, loves his hockey, and it's just playing for a bit of fun, really. But he was brought in on loan by Belfast Giants because of various injuries they've got now. They, of course, have Tyler Bescaroni, who is their lead goalie, and you would like to think generally you won't need a backup so long as he's fit and healthy. But what happened is the Giants game against Glasgow clan on Saturday, they were 5-1 up. And just at the end, apparently, reportedly, Beskarani took a puck in an awkward place, meaning they needed a backup goalie. Now, some ice hockey fans in the UK are not very convinced about this and think it was all just some big ruse to get a bit of publicity. Petacek came on with just over four minutes to go, dealt with the one shot he had to face, but, you know, the game was done and dusted at that point. They led four to one, breaking a four game losing streak, it should be said, for the Giants. Um, but yeah, so Petacek makes his Elite Ice Hockey League debut, albeit one that didn't go down quite so keenly and quite so favourably with some members of the UK ice hockey community who think that it's all a bit of a publicity deal. But there we go. Uh, Beskarani was back in there on Sunday, by the way, against the Nottingham Panthers. So Petacek probably is a one and done in his professional ice hockey league. But there we are. And that is it. For all the news and views from the past week here on the Hockey with Ice podcast. Thank you for joining me, as always. Last couple of weeks, I've said, oh, I'm going to do another podcast later in the week. Um, and I just haven't had time to get around to it. And I will say, this is mainly because I've been busy watching different hockey games. So not only catching up with NHL games, but also via my home of hockey subscription which i thoroughly recommend particularly from the uk you get to watch lots of swedish hockey league games and even the hockey elsvenska the second division and the women's league uh, and also liga in finland so i've been watching lots of hockey so give me a break there um if i can do a podcast on thursday evening i will do but i'll let you know on twitter at hockey with ice if that's going to happen if not i will be back next monday with another podcast once again looking at the NHL news but more than anything previewing the next round the quarterfinal stage of the Champions Hockey League so thank you again for listening do share the pod far and wide with any other hockey fans you might think may enjoy it and I will be back either later this week or next Monday with the next episode 